Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we conclude our five-part series on contemporary critical theory as we discuss the concept of human flourishing. What does society and culture look like in the vision of contemporary critical theory that leads to human flourishing? And how does that compare to what the Bible describes as God's design. Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. This is Dan. And we are episode number 7,442. This is going quick. Yep. If you missed the last 7,430, they're somewhere in the universe. Good start to the episode here. Uh, today we're talking about part five of five of our review of contemporary critical theory. And if you stick around long enough and you were deciding, trying to decide, do I go to a state fair or the great New York state fair? We have the answer for you in the personal preferences at the end. So don't skip ahead. It's so compelling. (laughs) Don't skip ahead. Just wait till the end. Listen all the way through. But this episode, we are talking specifically about the concept of human flourishing and how human flourishing is viewed in the contemporary critical theorist worldview uh, comparative to the gospel-centered worldview. Let's do a quick breakdown, Yon. What would a the frame, uh, the phrase human flourishing, what is that? What would that mean? What are we talking about? Well, it involves humans. Uh, both men and women, and it would involve their essentially ability to, um, I can't say the word flourish, right? I can't use the yeah, word, no, the word in, of course you the, can. in the definition, right? Um, so let me get this straight. Your definition of human flourishing is that it, it, it involves the flourishing of humans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, all essentially. Right. It's, it's That's all we got for you, listener. It's the opposite of inhuman non-flourishing disflourishing yes so essentially human flourishing is the the really the capacity to um essentially live out I mean, maybe the best version of yourself and to create the a society and a culture in which everybody has the opportunities and uh i don't want to even, maybe even the i don't want to say the outcomes but some people view it as the outcomes of prosperity and whatever flourishing looks yeah. like in success right life yeah yeah you know one word that comes to my mind is the word thrive right the thriving of each and every human individual um community culture family so on so when we say human flourishing we're talking about in the category of critical contemporary critical theory what would be the vision of the flourishing of humanity yeah and i think a lot the episode four out of five we talked about kind of what redemption looks like um, both individual and collective redemption and so essentially if that redemption and that collective Mm. redemption is achieved what does the world look like and how does it contribute to my individual flourishing and the flourishing of humanity in general and so that's exactly right the vision of on the other end of if it gets implemented and everything they want the critical theorist wants um, and it gets implemented, what does life look yeah. like? Some commentators I've heard, Yon, using the word ideology, right? They're an ideologue. Yeah. And what they're saying is they only deal with 
reality filtered through their vision of the end. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's no pragmatism. There's exactly. no there's yeah. no looking at reality presently and adjusting to it. It's everything's only shoved through this filter of does this bring us the ultimate vision that we invi- that we picture, which could be like a utopia. Does this get us there? Even if we can't afford it, mm-hmm. even if nobody wants it, you know, yep. so you'll hear a phrase like an ideologue right. or exactly. ideology. Which is why the, the word theory is an important part to, you know, yeah. contemporary critical theory is that it is a primarily, a, a, you know, it is an academic or a, a theoretical approach um, a lot of times in reaction to an existing you know, culture. Um, and that says, well, if we achieve these things, then this is what the outcomes would be. And human flourishing would be one of them. Um, so, but then when it comes down, which is really the important part is when it comes to applying that theory, applying that ideology, that worldview, um, does it actually, how does it stack up? And in our, in, in what we're concerned with is how does it stack up compared to the, the worldview and the, the vision and the ideology right. of human flourishing that's described in the Bible. Right. And a central element of the Christian worldview is redemption. And then restoration. So that's a central element, right? After redemption, mm-hmm. it doesn't end, but right. there's a restoring, right? There's an end picture, an end experience. So we'll be talking about how does CCT or contemporary critical theory describe their vision for mm-hmm. success, restoration, human flourishing, thriving. Yes. Right. Exactly. Fair enough. Yep. Or, yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And. Um, I think probably the again we're framing contemporary critical theory as a replacement counterfeit view. And if you watch, if you listen to Ep- watch, are we recording these? <laughs> you don't want us to record. Yeah. If you were to listen to our previous episode, we describe kind of in detail how this really is a counterfeit religion with some pretty prominent similarities to a religious worldview. Yeah, yeah. So technically, it's a it's a real religion counterfeiting the Christian faith in right. our view, right, yes. from our perspective. Yeah, and that's really the way kind of where we've landed on it um, as we're going through this. So let's talk a little bit about what human flourishing looks like in the contemporary critical theory worldview as we kind of translate that um, and, and what they're saying. So really, um, one of the, uh, the, the chief goals, and this is, what, again, we kind of covered in the mm-hmm in the rest or the redemption episode about is liberation. So the idea that the, the really the ultimate goal mm. is liberation, right? And it's a, it's a replacement and it's a, and it's a, it's a reversal of the oppressor yeah. oppressing uh, the people at the bottom. And there's a liberation of those individuals. And that is essentially almost uh, that, that paradigm is flipped. Mm. Right. And so when it comes to human flourishing uh, in the contemporary critical series, once that liberation happens, um, the goal and the human flourishing is really the ability for human beings to be, um, this is their language right out of their, right out of their book from, from a gentleman called Herkheimer. It says their ability to be producers of their own historical form of life. Hmm. Uh, sounds great, huh? That's all, it's what I've always wanted is to be the producer of my own historical form of life. Um, but really what that means is that it is the opportunity for everybody uh, regardless of where you stand on the whatever that ladder of oppression, that intersectional um, connection of oppression, is that you have the ability to provide the means to achieve something, an independent goal. You can achieve something on your own, um, and you can um, you can re- you can kind of free yourself from the shackles of domination of and oppression. 
And so you're essentially liberated from all of the levels of oppression and I can pursue my own um, happiness and whatever I consider my dream in life. Um, and I have access to all the resources, free access, equal access to all the resources and opportunities for that to happen. Yeah, and, and though it sounds similar, it shouldn't be confused with the individual pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. Right, exactly, because um, they explicitly say, and I think this is the important part where I think we started this whole five-part this five part series talking about how there's some some buzzwords that are thrown around yeah, a lot, yep. and that's the ideas of, of people throwing on the word, hey, if you're a contemporary critical theorist, you're a cultural Marxist, mm -hmm. right? And how that's almost a, you, we probably should avoid that because- Big it, insult. Yeah, it's a big insult, and it's just kind of a, a platitude. Yeah. Um, but when this is kind of where it gets down to Okay, well, what's the vision of the what's the vision of the future? There, you know, what's the human flourishing look like? And it really is rooted in Marxist ideology. Hmm. Um, and so, this is kind of where it surfaces the most. And really, what they are essentially saying is, you, as you mentioned, it's different, right? It's different than the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the way that most Americans think in the American framework. Um, it really is the idea that there is a the capitalist society is transformed and it becomes more democratic hmm. and what they what they actually describe as real democracy and that simply can just be described as um the essentially just really true democracy as a as where it's like essentially 50 percent plus one right hmm. so um there's an idea that they can imagine a society where all people would be of equal status with equal free access to resources owned by the community as hmm. a whole that includes food, shelter, healthcare, education, um, a world where no leaders, there's no leaders, there's no wow. elite, there's no to lord it over people. Right. Um, there's an equal say on the issues that concern people. And above all, um, there's a world which all people own and share the wealth that we need in order to live. So in their view, capitalism undermines real democracy and it undermines really... It's a counterfeit replacement to them for what their real democracy utopia yes. would be. So capitalism, of course, meaning I wouldn't know how to define this uh, like Milton Friedman would, but capitalism probably meaning that the the risk taking investor reaps the rewards yeah. of their of their work. Yep. Private and, ownership. Right, yep. right. And it would be basically a, a, a financial natural selection. Yeah, the idea, yeah, exactly. Like the free market um, idea of, you know, the, the market drives supply and demand, and that's what drives right. things, right? Risk and, and reward. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's, a, and, there's and, and I think, um, yeah, individual property rights and personal possession is a big thing too. And well, so. And yeah. what that means is the risk takers who actually are rewarded advance in this system right right and those who take less risks or invest less uh reap less and therefore there's this kind of like you can picture this hierarchy of success that right. capitalism generates yes exactly and so this kind of works out practically um i know we're kind of delving this is kind of where again it's it's kind of unavoidable to mm. delve into the political and the social right. you, know, at, you know, aspects of, of Marxism because this is kind of exactly what they're describing. Um, but it, it works out into everyone generates the fruits of their own labor, right? You don't work for someone who takes the fruit of your labor, right? It's a, it, That's kind of the perception of, of capitalism. So if, if I'm an employee, mm. my boss or the owner um, I, unequally 
prophets takes the fruits of my labor and right. I do not receive the fruits gotcha. of my labor. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, so this is also kind of where the idea of privilege comes in. This is probably a helpful, helpful way to view it is that the idea of privilege comes in, in that, um, there, the, the, the picture of human flourishing being is that I, there's no privilege in that if I am born, um, economically challenged in a, in a bad neighborhood with parents who are uneducated, um, right. I am not experiencing the same quote unquote privilege, the, the quote unquote freedom to pursue my dreams as someone who's born in a rich family with mm. educated parents, because they have the freedom there. And that means they don't have the obstacles right. and the challenges that I face. So they, that is, that's really the definition of freedom where life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, my pursuit of happiness, my right to pursue happiness is impeded by the social construct and the, the, the system that the oppressor has created because that person right. is more privileged. And that system just goes on and on. It's protected by the advantaged or yes. the privileged. Yeah. yeah. And it's perpetuated. And so, Got it. and so exactly. So, so this is the picture of human flourishing, kind of everybody, there's equity. Um, there's, it really is. I mean, it's, what is equity? You know, let's, I'm sure someone is wondering and has been wondering perhaps sure. yeah. a listener who's like, okay, I get equality yeah. that I've learned as an American citizen or a part, you know, someone who's participated in this culture, uh, for a long time, but what would be the, and we may have talked about this in right. one of our episodes, but just a real quick equity versus equality. Yeah. It's, I think it's just equal outcomes. Everyone okay. has the same outcome, gotcha. right? As opposed to the perception of everyone, there's a quality of opportunity, mm, which okay. means there's an, everyone has the opportunity to pursue their dreams, but the, the, the differences in equity, it's like we said, there's real freedom in that the playing field is leveled and everybody faces the same exact challenges and obstacles. Gotcha. And there's no, someone doesn't have an opportunity to, to pursue their dreams more freely because they don't have the same obstacles okay. as someone else. Everyone gets a trophy. Yes. Everyone gets a trophy. And so, and so this is again, like there's, there's so many, there, there's a level of depth in here that we don't necessarily want to go into because we want people to actually listen to this podcast. Um, but that's the, like, that's kind of like the picture of, um, it really is a picture of, and I, I even hesitate to use the word just because people might be turned off, but like it's a communist perception of what it looks like, right? Everyone is equal. The means of production is in the pe in the hands of the people. Um, every and communist meaning communal, right? Yeah, or, yeah. or community. Um, right. There's success. No, yeah. There's no. There's no leaders. There's no. Everyone is just interested in living in harmony and everyone has equal access to everything. And it's, um, it's kind of hard to even picture just because it's so yeah. very foreign. And even if you're, if you're a Christian believer, you're like, like, how does that happen apart yeah. from the work of Jesus, which we'll talk right, about right. later. But so that's kind of the idea of human flourishing, right? It really is in their own words, a flipping of the capitalistic free market system into what is described as that real democracy, real freedom, which is kind of played out in in um, in practical terms of what would be a yeah you know, a communist you know, describe, that, describe that real democracy again. I'm hoping that people who are listening and, and myself included, I, I want to get a clear picture of this utopia, a real democracy that the contemporary critical theorist is picturing in yes. the end. Yeah. So okay, so there's one there's something that we take for granted in 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 the kind of the American capitalistic um, framework. And this is a, it's a series, it's a, it's a ethical view called from Immanuel Kant, right? Mm -hmm. So it's called the Kantian ethical ethics of autonomy, which means it means that everybody, there are, there's this objective moral code 
and in that obje- that everybody has to adhere to. And in that objective moral code says that everybody, each, the individual has inherent value and worth. And because there is an objective moral code that is really kind of immutable, that humanity can't really change, um, everybody, I mean, this is kind of what the, the, the founders mean, endowed by their creator with certain mm. inalienable rights, right. right? Kantian ethics takes God out, but um, the idea that, that everybody has, in, has individual liberties and value and worth that are immutable, like you can't change that because it's mm. just a thing. Of, um, so that's kind of how the capitalistic free market system is built on. But the, the real democracy says that essentially that those individual liberties are subject, like real democracy, you, you elevate to I, my freedom, um, my individual liberties are subject to the collective mm. higher, quote unquote, higher level of being. Essentially, you transcend because you're, you're working, you're, inter, you're prioritizing the collective. So that would be a, that would be a higher moral value, right? Yes. Not what's best for you. But what's best for the community? Yes, and it's kind of when in our reading, someone actually described it as it's almost a spiritual state that's described by Engels when he says a higher, hmm. the higher collective value or collective state, where it is a subjugation of individual liberties for the sake of the collective. Okay, so that's kind of what real democracy. And then, but the way you get there is the question that becomes: Well, who determines what? that looks like well it's real democracy and then it's like 50 percent plus one it's just a majority it's a simple majority so literally everyone determines what that is right and so exactly yep and so it's different than the the our american view because we are a representative republic which means we you know we elect people to make laws for us it's not everything is a pure democracy um and so their perception is is that the powerful just keep getting elected and the powerful stay in power and they make rules to help the powerful and keep people oppressed right. and so the only way you kind of get rid of that and the, the the only pathway to human flourishing is you reverse that and create real democracy so it really is a pure democracy mm-hmm. and that's how and if everyone subjugates their own individual liberties for the collective then we will all have the opportunity to live in harmony and uh, and experience human flourishing that's a mouthful i know so yeah, i apologize yeah. but but essentially what you're saying is this particular uh, f- religion says you give up what's best for you because 50% plus one of us know what's best for all of us. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So you basically forfeit that lower morality of taking care of yourself and you give up what you have, your property, your income, your your uh, food, your, f- I mean, probably your overall your individual health and you sacrifice that or you contribute to the collective community yes exactly um and that's the yeah that's the that's the picture and and i think it's and that's the picture of human flourishing now when we hear that kind of stuff and i don't know about you but i hear that i'm like oh wouldn't that be wonderful that sounds great right we have everyone sharing everything we're living in this there's no one who's an authority we're all free to pursue our own hopes and dreams that sounds pretty great right the problem is i think and this is kind of where some of the issues arise and why there's a, a kind of a, a problem is that in order to get to that in order to get there there's a lot of let's say the opposite of human flourishing that occurs for people who consider who would meet in the minority in mm. joining in saying, no, we don't necessarily agree that that's the best way to go. Um, because in the, in this, in this 
this worldview, in order to get there, there's a lot of people who are not interested in that, and they, they don't want to collectively just give everything to everybody and live equally. Um, you know, there's there's people who would disagree with that. And the, the problem, and this is kind of, you can see it historically in the way that um, this worldview has lived out in 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 reality is that there's usually a group of people who say, no, we don't want to do that. And, and then their, their human flourishing is then dismissed and said, well, uh, if you're not interested in our human flourishing, you're going to go ahead and we're going to subjugate you and pro and we're going to maybe ship you off to a camp or we're going to maybe kill you and say, well, you know what? It, the collective, right? The collective matters more. And if you're in the minority and you don't agree with the majority, then it has pretty severe consequences because they're trying to get to that perfect utopia. So, yeah, that that's troubling. Right. If you uh, so. If, so in other words, if you're not in the 50 plus one, you really are in the way you have to be purged. You're expendable. You're 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 the um, it almost reminds me of Scientology. You're you're what do they call them when it's it, they don't yeah. know if they call them the oppressor. Yeah. They do like they? they essentially just tell you you are. Yeah. You're essentially like an oppressor. And right. they they mark you and they you get purged. They, exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so and they cut off all ties with their family members and stuff. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly it's kind of exactly how it works. And then again, that's that's kind of the extreme. But that's usually when you go down the road of the collective supersedes the individual. And that's what human flourishing looks like. The second you as the individual do not agree with the collective, your human flourishing then is less of a priority than the human flourishing of the cleft because they're trying to go somewhere and you're preventing them from getting to that picture. Hmm. So, and I think probably this is probably a good place to, 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 to mention some of the real problems with this. And we just kind of identified one, but, um, but what are, this is, this is problematic and we're not going to, this is certainly not a survey of, of Marxist theory and, and how it plays out. But um, there is a, there's something at the core of this, which is a, there's a hubris and a pride kind of right at the core of this that says we can create a utopia mm. if only people cared about the collective and we just eliminated all selfishness and we just all agreed that we're all going to have a pure democracy and everything. And the pathway to my human flourishing is, um, is what they've described. Um, in pure in pure democracy, no leaders, nothing. Everyone is equal and has equal outcomes. Um, there's a there's a level of pride that that thinks that that's possible uh, with the humans that we're that we all are, um, and so that's kind of at the core of the contemporary critical theorists when they think, well, what does life look like? Well, it involves the tearing down and the flipping of oppression, and we can we can create if only we got rid of the people, the oppressors, the people at the top, and we flipped it we can create our own utopia. Mm. And that's kind of at the core of a real problem with it. Yeah, and you could see how that if you really apply that theory at its extremes, it justifies violence, right? It justifies yeah. uh, for the sake of the community or the communal yes. yeah. um, benefit, you can sacrifice the minority, yep. really. Yeah, exactly. And that's the... And that is, yeah, that's the the real the key component. Well, what does human flourishing look like in this worldview? Well, it looks pretty good for the people who agree, um, well, in theory, but for the people who disagree, um, it doesn't work out very well in terms of their pursuit of human flourishing. Yeah, and we've seen, right, I mean, it doesn't take an expert in history to look at how communism or collectivism 
has failed and certainly we're not experts in this so it would be hard for us to kind of diagnose it but i do know some basic problems with communism uh, or collectivism and that is that it presupposes that the human heart is good and that the human heart put together with a collection of other humans human heart hearts would desire something that benefits everyone right yeah and that's a it's actually a, a an interesting contradiction as we think of the contemporary way in which it works yeah. it's a is that is that that's kind of what Marxism is founded on but then when you add on layers of something like maybe critical race theory or critical gender theory and stuff like that you start realizing as we discussed in the access to truth uh, episode is that is that really people are not everyone is equally good right it's like people there are people who are born with the innate sin uh, of white supremacy or yeah. whiteness or right. you know gender the gender patriarchy like so it's like it's like well now we're the, the, the outworkings of the contemporary critical theorists is saying well we can create this utopia but if you're in that higher echelon and that and that is now broken down into skin color gender you know that whole intersectional um overlap it's that you're actually you're actually not good and we're that there's a there's a level of truth at the bottom that says we're the good ones and we're going to help we're going to help you get better and get help good you, and, and purge your sin and help you right. get out of the way yeah so. uh yeah also it fails communism collectivism fails because wealth and power corrupts good intentioned hearts so uh as these um as these human beings begin to collect wealth and power uh suddenly of course we discover that they no longer have the collective benefit driving them they find ways to manipulate that communist system and advantage themselves right and where do you have to look uh, anywhere in the world you look with this theory or this kind of uh, structure system you see that uh, the bourgeoisie (laughs) are corrupt and they use wealth and power to continue to crush the minority or maybe even the majority yep Uh, so then you can see this in the modern day stuff too I mean there's I mean there's a bunch of examples of people who are touting and propagating this contemporary critical theorist and then maybe a socialist communist worldview and that percept that picture of human flourishing and they you know they end up or the one of the founders of black lives matter has now purchased her fourth home or something like that and bernie sanders who is a who's a pretty prominent socialist in terms of this worldview and this picture of human flourishing owns three homes and there's a popular youtuber who was recently just you know who has been all very prominently advocating for socialism just bought a 5.4 million dollar house and there's a huge backlash on social media that they're like well what are you doing but it's kind of evidence that there's a lot of people who are saying this stuff and, but they are benefiting from it. Mm. And then they end up essentially joining the people that right. they don't really that closet they, exactly. capitalists. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so there's a level of hypocrisy and obviously in everyone, but um, especially for those who are espousing this type of a picture of human flourishing. Yeah. Um, it's a level I mean, the truth is there's, there's hypocrites in every direction, sure. right? We have to kind of build, bake that in. 
to our expectations for people, but it also speaks to this other problem, which you just mentioned, that the overseers violate their own philosophy, their own communistic, real democratic philosophy. Right. They violate it to advance themselves. Yep. They violate it to advance their selfish interests. So that's also in conflict with this idea, this presupposition that the human heart is good. Right. Because if you don't start there, you can prepare for, this isn't going to work because look how humans react to... Um, re- really collecting other people's um, production, their yeah. other people's time, energy, and investment. So, yeah. but really, all of this can be transformed. And <coughs> yep, uh, there is a biblical worldview solution um, that confronts and undermines this commun. And when we say communism, you know, we're not talking about economy. Real quick, before we jump into transformation. Uh, let me drop this on you. Um, how can we make the jump between, we're not talking about communism as an economy. We're not talking about Marxism in the economic sense. Bring us back to this particular worldview as it relates to contemporary critical theory. Does that yeah. make sense? Does that, yeah. that sense? Uh, yeah, question think most sense? people hear communism, they go right to the political or yeah. the economic view. But Really, when as it plays out in our you know in our cultural in a broader cultural sense, it's well, what does human flourishing look like? Well, it is count it, it is it is propagating a view that your individual um, liberties or values or your individual desires are subject to the collective desires, and that um, and that in the in the, the the situation which people flourish the be, the most and they can pursue their own dreams is when you you when you reach a state where everybody is giving up their individual liberties um, or and, and flipping that there is no oppression they're flipping the power grid and everyone is equal and everyone has equal opportunities and equal gotcha. outcomes and so it's um, and that's the again that is really like you said we're not political scientists on communism and but um, we don't want to get trapped in, A, this is a communist Marxist political ideology. It's just this is what the world looks yeah. like in this framework. It makes me wonder, Yon, is this specific uh, utopia, is this why, and, and this is worth, I think maybe this is probably worth researching or, or following up on, investigating it, but I remember when the Black Lives Matter manifesto right. or their website had a list of what their objectives what their uh, what their values are right and and you know understandably there was some shocking things to the general public mm-hmm. especially to the right uh the conservative right sure. wing party yep. one of the things that was on there was basically essentially the dissolution of the nuclear family right and i wonder if that's what this mean what this means which is you have the patriarchy married to the matriarchy he's perceived as the oppressor the dad right the husband and then in your home you've got these children that are subject to the authority right um in the individual wishes of the patriarchy expressed through the matriarchy the mom and then these kids suffer oppression and they learn a system Mm -hmm. which is basically uh the top is oppressing the bottom is being oppressed. They're victims. Yep. And if you can erase the nuclear family, you don't have the seeds for 
oppressors accepting oppression. Yes, it's pretty. It's pretty fascinating. Exactly. When you read that, it's pretty shocking to say, "Wait, the dissolution of the nuclear family." We always thought that that's a, you know, that's one of the, you know, you look at the data and you think, well, that's one of the triggers for actual human flourishing and you know, raising out of poverty and achieving right. things and. Um, but yeah, it, it's two things exactly like you said. The child is being oppressed, right? But it's, it's so there's a bottom part where they're saying, well, the child needs to be able to pursue their dreams and freely, but they're being oppressed by the authority of their parents or their dad or whatever. But then there's also the other the other way is that they're saying the you know, this worldview that a Marxist would say you've got to get rid of the nuclear family because it's it's just a trick that's instituted by the powerful because it's a place where the parents or the 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 overseer of the home feels as though they have some power yeah and it's essentially they say well give them the home where they have power so that they won't pursue power in other places hmm. right it's essentially well if they're they're going around and they're being oppressed give them a spot where they feel like you know no they're not being oppressed they're in charge and then if you do that they will be less likely to pursue the overthrow of oppression in the broader cultural sense so there's a per- so again you're right is that you know this has some really contradictory and counterfeit views on how um how we would normally perceive what human flourishing looks like which is oh you have a strong family and a strong nuclear family but in fact they are saying that's not the case but i tell you this really helps me when i when i grasp this you know this this utopian picture of what the end looks like which is you know the expression of real democracy everybody has equity there's equal outcomes everybody it's exactly the same there is no up and down or high and low it makes sense. It ma- I understand right. what these phrases mean, yeah. the dissolution of yeah. the nuclear family. Or stuff like, I mean, Hillary Clinton was famous for saying, right, it takes a community. A village. A village, right? It takes a village to, to raise a kid. Yeah. And you're like, well, what, why is there so much outrage over that statement? Well, because, I mean, we're, we're believers, right? We, we, we dedicate kids uh, on yep. a regular basis and say, we're, yeah, we, we're part of a, we're going to help shepherd this child's heart. Right. But then when you build it when you translate it in this view you're like okay well now i understand what they're saying they mean mean that village replaces the nuclear family yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. it's not just your nuclear family with your oppressor patriarch in the house right you know single moms grandmas aunties they are equal and equitable and they're going to raise these these little ones so there's a so this is a an oppositional counterfeit worldview that's perpetuated and supported really by this theory, this contemporary critical theory. And there's a biblical worldview that we believe, obviously, this is entirely why we're doing this podcast at all, that will salt the earth. It's it's true. It's better. It is comes to us from a God who's designed us and created us. And, and it starts like this. Human flourishing in the Christian worldview starts in the beginning. Genesis is the description of where human flourishing begins. And it starts with this this uh, this truth that that the all biblical believers have embraced, and that is that the human being is inherently uh, the receptor, the receiver of a unique and individual value and worth mm. that every single human being knit together in its mother's womb is unique and individually valuable and worth something and that the human person is created in the image of God 
um, loves like God, feels like God, thinks like God, creates like God, um, relates interpersonally like God, and that this this is um, this human is created in the image of God to flourish, hmm. which essentially, if you kind of sum up flourishing on a real fundamental level, it would be to love God and to love other people, summing up all the expectations that God has for mm. humanity. Yeah. To know God, be known by God, to know people, be known by people, to live in community on a kind of a horizontal level and in vertically to be in communion with God. So communion with God, community with people, and that in the Genesis design described to us in the book of Genesis, there is this creation mandate. There's an original design for human beings to be fruitful mm. and multiply, right? That's done through the mission of marriage and family. Uh, be fruitful and multiply is this idea that uh, a man and a woman leave their homes. They become a new home and they become one flesh. The two become one. And in their union together, there is a fruitful multiplication of, mm. of children. Uh, obviously, if one is not married, they would they would uh, be able to contribute their gifts, talents, and sure. calling uh, to the world uniquely. And also, Paul says, wholeheartedly. Right. Because yeah. if you're not no married, yeah, if you're not <laughs> married, you can live. Ultimately, you can live in communion with God and in community with people with no with no distractions. Your heart is not kind of like divided into the investment yeah. of your own um, Sometimes family. I tell that to my wife and kids. I'm yeah, like, I bet will that you please just stop distracting me from the work of the kingdom? You gave that right up. Yeah. Not long ago. It was all worth it. it was, amen. <laughs> so then the, uh, the the creation mandate also includes, right, it's be, fault, be fruitful, multiply, and also cultivate the earth, right? So work is something God created. Uh, creating culture, cultivating earth, the marketplace, um, the resources of the earth, stewarding the earth. And, um, you know, and this idea of work and cultivating and, and stewardship has this idea that's captured in the book of Proverbs, which says individual work for yourself, by yourself is valuable enough. In fact, the book of Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs, it's just kind of drawing a blank here, but it uh, says, if you don't work, don't expect to eat, hmm. right? So, uh, in other words, the young man is being advised in the book of Proverbs, work hard right. to flourish. Hmm. Work hard to steward the earth and create culture and feed your family and, and, and so on. Yeah. So, another part of in the beginning flourishing is success. Ultimately, from a macro level in our worldview, success is helping to bring God's kingdom on earth. Right. It is the uh, partnership with God and his spirit in the image of Jesus and in the pattern and mission of Jesus. It's bringing kingdom to earth, right? So Jesus preaches in Matthew 5. There's all these different ideas and pictures of what the kingdom looks like, and it's the kingdom advancing and working in earth. It's just completely upside down from a real democracy, hmm. completely upside down from uh, what we would define um, I think instinctively, you know, it's yeah. counterculture, I should sure, say. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, and, the, and the way that this happens is not, um, it's actually not that generic because this only happens. And, and if you're asking, like, how does this happen? There's so many different kinds of people who believe so many different things and they're, right. you know, there's selfishness and pride and self-righteousness and, and self-reliance and so on. Well, 
it the starting point is regeneration right so right so in the beginning you have all these humans and they're created with purpose and design and so on and flourishing is obvious and you can flourish but you can't flourish advancing the kingdom of god until there's a regeneration experience and the reason is because the human heart needs to be regenerated from which a bible term would be or a a theological term would be depravity right self-righteousness self-reliance independence um, isolation uh, basically living for oneself um, selfish depravity and this transformation this regeneration of the heart the new human heart that the holy spirit gives exchanges this stony selfish heart full of depravity to and 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 towards selfless love selfless sacrifice um, which then brings a faithfulness to god a faithfulness to to the marriage faithfulness to family and to work responsibilities and even faithfulness to uh, financial obligations to give where you are instructed by god to give and to do so um, you know faithfully then after that you start to see in this flourishing there's some financial fruitfulness Hmm. you start to gather property and things and um, you know tools and other kind of richness in your life and when you've been transformed in in your faithfulness uh, you start to see faithfulness then faithfulness over time becomes fruitfulness where there's an access uh, that fruitfulness includes making disciples in your own home your friends family neighbors co-workers teammates um, and also there's a fruitfulness of resources right so you're fruitful you have so much that you've gathered there's a surplus that you've saved and now there's enough that you can be generous and scripture describes this generosity as bringing relief to those who are in poverty in fact there's a description of a flourishing believer uh, as it relates to being generous and it's a cheerful faithful giver you give based on the uh, a percentage based on what you have Hmm. if you have a little you give a little if you have a lot you give a lot so in this generosity this cheerful generous giving um, you can accomplish something that is described in acts chapter 2 in acts chapter 2 all of the people who belong to god are together and they were so generous the 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 luke writes in the book of acts that that eventually they met all the needs the needs were met by the generosity of the people those who had little were taken care of those who had needs were taken care of those that were low were brought up right so in the new testament there's no description of bringing down the successful there is a compelling of the successful to generously support give and contribute to those who are less successful right yeah who are who are still they're still being faithful but they're not yet fruitful right i would basically call that a newlywed you know right although although not not necessarily now intern an intern yeah an intern (laughs) that's better so along with poverty relief with this generosity comes biblical justice and i just mentioned this the ability through the transformation of one's heart to be faithful and then fruitful not just making disciples and being generous in your resources but now biblical justice right lifting the weak and using this surplus uh, for what's called true religion taking care of and meeting the needs of the orphan the widow the fatherless the needy the marginalized the oppressed 
all that coming through the the unique fruitfulness of a thriving believer in their family and they're doing so uh, with the energy that they were given by being created in god's image compassion empathy generosity care concern love ultimately is is is, uh, generating this kind of energy so in the christian worldview um, a christian's genuine faith is evidenced by works to serve and care for themselves faithfully but in their fruitfulness caring for other people yeah and And if you put a collection of those people together it's called the church right globally it's called the church and once again you know we get to this point where we say we're doing, it, we're doing it right we're yeah, yeah, it out. yeah yeah oh, or no. would we even need these other theories if the church was right. flourishing and humans yeah. in the church were thriving to the point of human flourishing the way that we were designed to uh, if we were meeting the needs for foster care immigrant care refugee care uh, again it it makes you it makes you question would there even be any needs like the book of acts right, right. i mean we know that we know that the the those who are in poverty are always going to be with us uh, but man if we were if we lived out this worldview of human flourishing as believers and then all we're doing really yon is we're just helping people get a glimpse of heaven right on earth before we see a fully redeemed everything that god designed us to be will reach its fullest uh, fulfillment right i think most a lot of times we get into the the trap of we're arguing for a specific system like a contemporary critical theorist would would advocate for the you know the communist socialist system whereas the other side would say well no capitalism that's the way to go and ultimately i think what you've just described is it doesn't like human the the biblical God's description and design for human flourishing is not dependent upon a specific economic system. It's dependent upon the motivations and the heart of the the people who are participating in it. Yeah. And you can you can have human flourishing in a capitalist system and in a even in a communist system where you could say, I mean, we're all living together, but the motivations are we're going to give things away freely. We're all going to, but you can also do it in the, the capitalist. And you say we're going to we're going to work and we're all going to have private property. But as as the, as I have, I give to people who are in need. So. The trap is, well, we're going to advocate for a specific system as opposed to we're going to advocate and embody what you just described. How do yeah. I live out that human flourishing by being fruitful, by multiplying, by, by loving God, loving people, by cultivating the earth? By, yeah, and if you're yeah. in a system that takes what you're producing to redistribute it, re, re, to, to, um, uh, to distribute it right. to everyone, yeah. Um, you know, you 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 have you undermine the biblical mandate pretty quick. Sure. You know where everything that you have is taken, and it's kind of spread out. Um, you know, this whole human flourishing depends on the individual having a heart transformation and faithfully working, contributing, um, cultivating, using the gift that God's given them to contribute. Yeah. Right. And it. Yeah. And uh, and one of the things that I actually. I think is important in the actual the the conversation is we go to well what is the act I mean why is it why is contemporary critical theory compelling right I mean I think it's compelling because it's again we've been saying this all along it's diagnosing some of the real problems and actually Karl Marx is he was they they kind of call him a moral prophet <laughs> and that mm. he actually just dis- he was you know he identified yeah there's some real 
problems with a purely capitalistic free market system where people there is exploitation there's oppression um but like you said if there's a heart transfer but the problem again if that that heart transformation doesn't happen then you're just gonna you're gonna regardless of the system you're still gonna see the exploitation you're still gonna see um that oppression that that they're trying to remedy because the heart is um dark and depraved before god brings new life to it yeah really yep exactly so um and yeah so i guess i mean how do we how do we help our listeners kind of learn yeah. how to flourish they're well, saying is, well how do i do this it's oh, yeah you guys are really smart <laughs> that's what they're thinking you guys are really smart but how does this actually put it into practice I'd, if if 50 plus one 50 percent plus one we're saying that I'd then be it's surprised true. i'd be surprised no that it is, is true, true yeah, yeah. <laughs> helping uh, a listener learn to flourish would start with acknowledging right that human beings are after power they are they crave control of the circumstances influence in 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 a lot of ways and really for flourishing to happen you want a human being would have to have authority enough to be proactive in their circumstances and proactive in their in their life circumstances and it has to be combined with high vulnerability it's Andy Kraut says it's high authority combined with high vulnerability. And when people live this way, it's to their own benefit. And it's also to the community's benefit. You embrace risk and you take risks with authority to change your own circumstances, to influence your own circumstances. But also there's high vulnerability where, uh, the leaders developed and developing humility. Right. That's interesting because you kind of see that reflected in right, in Jesus himself, right? Mm. Is that Jesus shows up and he has all the authority, right? right? Um, and it's actually contrary to the contemporary critical theorist view of saying there is no authority, right? There's right. no power. There's no one's making decisions. It's purely a collective conversation and it's pure democracy. But we recognize that there is authority, there is power, but... Um, the goal is right. You have that authority, but you also have maximum um, yeah, vulnerability, so that you are actually putting yourself at risk for the sake of the people who don't have power. Right. Yeah. You mentioned this that, that the gospel teaches us right that that um, combining vulnerability with authority is not only the path for us to take as humans who right. desire to flourish, but it's literally the path that God Himself took to create and redeem the world. He uh, has supreme authority, and he brought himself so low as to be vulnerable like an infant child. Right. And ultimately later to suffer a criminal's death as an innocent one at the hands of the actual guilty ones, the guilty party, right? Jesus, who was at the beginning, right, in creation, setting the conditions for human flourishing, right? right? And then he shows up on the scene and he subjugates himself to his creation with maximum authority, maximum vulnerability, and solves the problem. Right. Right. Shortly before and then short time after is holding the whole universe together by his own words. Right. As it's described in the scripture, so yes, that's impressive. so it is. So by embracing vulnerability while exercising authority, power can be used to serve the kingdom of God. Power does not have to be distorted, exploitative. Is that a word? Exploitatively. Explore. 
exploitatively. Yeah. Yep. You nailed it. Yeah. Third try. First time in any of these podcasts, I think that you aced a word. I know. I know. It's well embarrassing. Done. So this is, I mean, it's it's worth probably saying at the end, It's this is a worthwhile and needed encouragement for the church and its people to embrace vulnerability, exercise authority, and that way authority or leadership or power doesn't have to be poisonous and polluted and otherwise be categorized as oppressive. Yeah, and in every kind of the very broad, a broad definition of quote-unquote power, right, that includes, um, that it just even includes if I have, if I'm middle class, right, and I have more money than someone right. who doesn't, right, I have what would be more economic power, right, more economic authority, but I can equally live out my economic my economic vulnerability it's not like it's not the saying well when you're the president then you have to be uh you have to be right. have authority and vulnerability it's how do we how do we play that out in every area of our life where that there is you know we realize that we are again privilege is a is a word that i'm not afraid to use not not in the contemporary critical theorist world but um the framework but we have been provided um privilege and, and, and opportunities that not everyone has. And so we live vulnerably, um, for the benefit of other people. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't require me to, to, like I said, be the CEO of a company or some massive, uh, influencer to, to embody this. Um, and like you said, if we really live this way, I mean, we don't even, we don't even need like the, the, the this conversation doesn't these, happen yeah, these because all the words you say, oh, wow, the Christians are right. actually, you yep. should do that because they're exactly. solving all the problems. So. Exactly. And we don't need any other theories or philosophies or exactly. structures. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Part five of five of contemporary critical theory. Um, now we are going to exercise some authority and vulnerability <sighs> in our answer in our personal preference section. Yeah. And that is... Well, I guess are we going? What are your thoughts on the on fairing, state fairing? Yeah, and we are in yeah we're in New York, so we are near the home of the great New York State Fair. It's literally in my uh, literally, but essentially, it's in my front yard. Right. Yeah, you can walk there. Yeah, and um, the question is, I guess we were going to talk about what's your favorite part of the fair, but are you even a fair? I was gonna say fairy, but are you a fairer? <laughs> fair <laughs> Do goer? Do you go a fair goer? Yeah, is that like you love it? Is that your thing? I go, Yon, every year. You know why? It's essentially in my front yard. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mind fair food, and I've spent my entire life filtering some of the throwaway, unnecessary fair food and kind of honing in on the uh, must get. And, and I love these new uh, every year. Now we're seeing uh, more and more reporting from our local um, kind of critics. What's the best right. things to eat at the fair, right? So we did a lot of the fair shows when we had kids who might enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. Now our kids uh, are are fine with no shows, so we are strictly you know, and We go to the fair for one reason: it is to run the food circuit. Mm. That's it. Yeah. So sometimes it takes more than one trip to hit the the food that we're interested in. But we're definitely fair ease. Now you spend a lot of time in the Little Caesars line. <laughs> yeah, no. Emmy's hot dogs. Yes. What is your what's your go What's your favorite My, fair food? Yeah, mine. Uh, I've got a favorite food and a favorite drink. Okay. Favorite food would be 
over the years, the Bacon Bomb has emerged as my favorite. Which is? Well, it's hard to explain. You don't even know. It's just called the yeah. Bacon Bomb. You put it in your mouth. It's like a pulled it. pork um, uh, kind of, um, what would that be, like a shoulder or something like that, but it's wrapped in it will, a weave of bacon. Hmm. And then it's kind of uh, rolled into a log, and then it's cut in, like, slabs, and then that slab is grilled. So it's smoked first, and then they grill it, and then they top it. I think they top it with pulled pork, um, you know, cheesy and barbecue and whatever, and then a, then a soft Kaiser roll. And I managed to kind of eat topless, which is uh, work my way through. Probably. also something you'll see at the fair. <laughs> so... Um, so I worked my way through that sandwich, probably eating one of those rolls because it's that's a lot of bread. Yeah, you don't want to overdo it with that bacon. Bun, While right? I'm at the fair, I'm <laughs> I'm making sure I conserve my my uh, my calories. So the bacon bomb will be the food, but I mean right behind that is that sirloin tips with yeah, uh, the red potato, mashed potato, and the yeah. shiitake mushrooms and onions. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel bad eating that either. You're not like, what did I just no, do to myself? No, no, you're right. You're right. And, and you could pull it off in the pita or in the bowl mm. just as good. So, But that's probably second. I I stick with the bacon bomb because I kind of feel like that's the one place that you can ever get something like that. The drink, of course, I think is kind of a um, everyone's favorite is, is just grabbing a little cold whole milk. Vanilla? Van- I mean, white or chocolate? <laughs> is that even a question? I get one of each. Oh. I just go, I just drink straight chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. 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 You strike me as a sugar guy. Yes. Yep. So uh, that's it. I prefer the fair. I prefer only the food at the fair. I prefer the bacon bomb. And uh, I would probably say a little shot of chocolate milk. If I had to choose between those milks, I'd, I'd I'd get a chocolate milk. I generally, every time I go to the fair, when I leave, I say to myself, why did yeah. I go to the fair? Yeah. And I tell myself that every year. I'm like, you're going to regret this. And then I do it. And I'm like, I, I regret it. I don't know why I do it. It's not do you like think I it'll hate be... it, but. Yeah, I, I hear you. Do you think, I mean, we felt that way when our kids were old enough to not care about those shows and we're going through the animal and show building saying, what yeah. are we doing? I guess I haven't brought my daughter yet to yeah, see that's the my question. ponies and the chickens. That's my the... question. When yeah. you start to grasp Kennedy's reaction. Yeah. To the animals and the, the circus show and whatever. Yeah, it'll probably change it. Uh, well, I guess I gotta go to the fair like six a, days. You're a fairy. Here it yeah, comes. I'm a fairy. I just was thinking as you're describing the bacon bomb, the absurdity of us discussing the concept of human flourishing while we're discussing. We live in a time where you can go to a fair and buy a bacon bomb. Yeah, I mean, thank like, God this episode wasn't on poverty. Yeah. <laughs> We're living human flourishing right now. <laughs> it's this my best it. life. Max it out. My best life is happening right now. That's right. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Share us with your friends and family. Um, and join us next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.